listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Elliott. Today, I am very excited. We have a special guest, Milani. What's going on? Hey, I like being called special. I I feel special. This is going to be awesome. (laughs) I am super excited that you're here with us today. You are just a rock star in so many different categories, so many different areas, and you have an awesome family. You have a crazy story behind that as well. But what we want to talk about today is Airbnb. We want to specialize and give people the details, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the details on how they can take step-by-step action to be able to crush it just like you have with Airbnbs. But for anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving in a little bit about yourself your success thus far and dive into your story possibly? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background. Brandon knows me. We're in Cancun together last month with a bunch of amazing investors. He got to meet a couple of my kids. I've got a handful of them. I've got my own basketball team. But my background, long story trying to be short, is I was, even though me and my husband when we were dating had talked about getting into real estate investing and we had talked about big dreams, entrepreneurship and everything. Then we started having like a lot of kids, which was awesome and also part of our goals. But we realized that we wanted to protect them and we wanted to keep them safe and responsible, right? Because that's what we do as parents. Like we want to protect these amazing little heavenly creatures that we've been blessed with. And so my husband and I like kind of put the entrepreneur thing, put the real estate investing thing, all of those big goals. We kind of just put them aside and we're like, you know, let's just be safe. Let's just bring in a normal W2 job. You know, like let's just nine to five it up. And, um, I was in a job that I didn't really love. Okay. Like when I say didn't really love, that's my nice way. Brandon knows I like to kind of have a positive spin on on everything. Yeah. I should, most people probably say I hated my job, but I hate that word. So, um, but I wasn't really in love with my job and, but it was providing, it was providing for my family and my husband's was providing for the family. And so, but then one day I have five kids, number three got diagnosed with brain cancer mm. and it totally changed our life. It changed it like in a minute, it changed it. And that's a whole long story of the lessons we learned through that. But one of the biggest things that we learned is, I don't know, about four to six months later, we were still going through treatments, still in a rough place, seeing how he was going to react to the treatments. And I remember sitting down with my husband at the breakfast table and just crying and saying, I just can't sit around and wait for him to die anymore. Yeah. And I just felt like everything was out of my control. You know what I'm saying? And even though I had done the responsible thing, I had gotten a responsible job. I had gotten, you know, I thought this was the safe path. And all of a sudden I felt like I was out of control. So then I said, you know what? I want to start chasing my dreams. Like these dreams that we used to talk about, like how come we don't talk about those anymore? And we started talking and my husband's like, this is kind of a busy time. Like you're all over the place at doctor's appointments. And you know, by the way, you have four other kids, you know, it was a crazy time, but I felt like something inside of me 
was like just burning, not only to feel that um, control of something, but to that productivity again, but also because I wanted to spend every last minute I had with my son and with my kids and have my control of my life, of my time back. And so I was like, we've always talked about real estate investing. We've always talked about flipping houses. We've always talked about this. Like, let's do this. And so, you know what? We did. And instead of sitting back and being like, why me? Like, why, why did this happen to us? Why our perfect little son? Like, why did this happen? Instead, we were like, why not us? Because we've got some higher power, whatever that is for whoever's listening, like, you know, some higher power believes in us as a family that we've got more out there to do. This is going to be a super hard trial. You've all had them. You're all going to have them. Trials are going to come, but how we react to them is really what defines us. Right. And so at that moment we said, why not me? Like, why not us to flip houses? Like we've always dreamed of doing, why not us to do these different things? And that kind of became our family mantra of Hawks do hard things, but also like, why not us to do follow our dreams? So and you, so, got, you guys have a saying as well, right? I know the we kids doubted it. I love it. Do you mind just yeah. diving into that really quick? Yeah, for sure. Like I feel like kids these days are afraid of hard things. So I wanted to make sure that our kids know that that's like a part of what we are and like what we do and who we are. So whenever I or my husband say Hawks do, my kids will be like hard things. Like it's just a cheesy little thing. We have a basketball team. You get to do cheesy things together. Like it's cool. Um, There's enough of you that it like, it seems cool even if it's not. So my kids, we always, we, you know, Hawks do hard things because I want them to know the hard things are a part of life. Like don't shy away from them, but how are you going to handle that when they do come? Now I always forget this part, Brandon. So I'm going to say that it's been over five years now since my son was diagnosed with cancer and he is a walking miracle and we enjoy every minute of every day that we get to spend with him because he is doing awesome. So I'm glad, I'm glad you finished that part because I know last time when you told us it was like yeah. a cliffhanger. We were like, so what, how's your son? Is he okay? Like, <laughs> I always forget it. I always, and people come up afterwards, like, I'm so sorry. Like they don't know how to handle it. So sorry. Yes. He's doing awesome. We're so, so grateful for an amazing medical team for him being a miracle and answered prayers. So yes, definitely. But, but it does. I mean, it's that mindset shift and that yeah. goes, that goes for everything in life. I do truly believe everything happens for a reason. So if any of the listeners are going through something particularly right now that's extremely difficult in their current life, their situation, just realize that it is a mindset shift. I believe God or whatever you believe in has has enough faith and, and believes in you enough to be able to handle it. Yeah. So if you can shift that mindset, not give up and fight through it, you guys can come up, rise above and yeah. do more. Yeah. And like we teach our kids, like, it's not just going to be one hard thing in life. Like, don't feel like it's going to be like one trial. Yes, I did it. Like I'm at the top of the hill. No, you've got another mountain to climb once you're finished with the first hill, you know? So that goes back to my story. So we, you know, we jumped in, we started flipping houses. We were doing like anywhere from five to 12 houses a year. That was, you know, to some they're like, oh, little 12 per year. Like for me with five kids, like, heck yes. Like I was running a business and flipping a group of houses. Okay. So I noticed some people they're like, oh, little one. But to me, that was a big deal while having an amazing family and spending time with them. Yep. Anyways, so I started flipping house and loving that. I started wholesaling. I started doing short-term rental. Uh, sorry, I started doing long-term rentals. And then all of a sudden, I just got burnt out. The market changed a little bit. Like we weren't fat- selling them as fast as we used to.
things too. We had some legal, like we got in a couple lawsuits that were just draining on me. We had somebody got shot on our driveway, which was terrible, like just different things. Uh, And that was like the week it was supposed to go on the market. So just different things that I was like, you know what, I'm kind of getting burned out. And I got in this because I wanted to love it and have control of my time. And as soon as I saw those two things started slipping away again, I'm like, nope, this isn't why I'm doing it. But I knew I still wanted to be in real estate because if you're in real estate, you know, it's a great way to make money if you do it smart, right? Sure. And so I knew I wanted to stay in real estate. I was like, oh, I'm kind of getting burnt out on the flipping houses thing, but I wanted to stay in. And I, had, I kept on hearing people talk about Airbnbs and kind of had just kind of pushed it off, pushed it off. And I'm a girl that loves a hotel. So I was like, I, I don't need no Airbnb, right? But I fell in love with Airbnbs and I opened my first one. Well, actually, we changed one of our long-term rentals into a short-term rental into an Airbnb. And we realized we were making two to four times as much running it as an Airbnb than we were as a regular long-term rental. And so we were like, well, let's do this. Like, let's, let's do a lot more of this. Like, let's switch all of our long-term rentals over to short-term rentals. There were a couple that weren't in great areas. So we actually ended up just selling those off. Then it started like going more and more like, okay, well I want to scale and I want to do more of these. Like if I'm I want to open like one per month or one every other month. All of a sudden I was like, well, I'm not going to have a down payment every single month to drop 30 to 60, whatever K on a down payment of a house. So uh, how are we going to do this? And I, you know, there's lots of people that are doing this out there, but it was like this light bulb went off in our head of, okay, well, if we're making two to four times as much, like, why don't I just rent the property from someone else and then sublet it out as an Airbnb? You're going to tell everything that you're doing to the landlord, but then sometimes I do better than my landlord by renting the property and then subletting it out. But then the extra cool part about, sorry, I'm like getting ahead of the game. Bruce. No, I love it. Like I love it. Pumped. Let's go for a little bit here and there and then we'll dive in. I geek out and I apologize. So I'll try to reel it in. But like, so yeah, that model of being able to like, like date a property before yeah. you marry it. You've heard me say that. Like yeah. I, I, I have commitment issues. I'm not going to lie. I hear you. I get it. It it took me a while (laughs) to find a great husband because I, you know, I have a little bit of commitment issues. So, uh, but yeah, so once you date a property and you have like six months, 12 months, however long your lease is to date a property, see if the roof is leaking, see if the air conditioning works, you know, all these, see if the, if the Airbnb model is going to work, see if people are really renting it and what your occupancy rates are, what your nightly rate is. You get to, this is in like to get the idea that in real estate investing, some people are like, Oh, it's so risky. Oh, it's so risky. This is like one of the least risk ways to get into real estate investing because you literally get to test a property before you buy it. Don't get me wrong. You're still locked into a contract, but sometimes especially, Oh, I'm, geeking out. I know, but like at this time of year, it's so, so easy to get a six month rent on something like a six month contract, a six month lease on something and get in and test it out to see if that Airbnb is going to work in your area. Yep. Okay. Anyway, so I, I, I get, I get pretty excited about it. And, uh, so we started renting from other landlords. We started renting it out and making a bunch of money then. Okay. So sorry. I'm just like going off, Brandon. I, I apologize. Do your thing. You do your thing. I okay. love it. It is exciting. There, when there's possibilities and yeah. you have options to really be able to make a ton of money, yeah. I mean, that's the best part. That's the best position. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Uh, so there, the first way you can do it is if you own the property. That's what the first way we started. The second way you can do it is if you do what's called that arbitrage model, which I was just talking about using someone else's asset and then, uh, like renting it out. Okay. So the same asset, but you're like in a contract model the date now. model. Yeah, yeah. The date. And then once you love it, then you can either buy it or just stay in that contract for yeah. a long time. I mean, you're in California. I don't know if you even want to buy those properties for buy it. No. Right. <laughs> okay. So I'll heck date, no. I'll date for a long time. Stay for as long as you need, as long as both the landlord and you are making for money happy. and you're both happy. Great. So when I, when I approach a landlord, I say like, this is a long-term thing. Like I want this to be a long-term thing. Like I want to be your renter for life until you're ready to sell it. And then I want to be the one that that buys it from you. And so landlords are like, Oh, well you're interesting to me. Okay. So that's the second model is the arbitrage model. And then the third way that I do Airbnbs is basically I'm just a property manager except for just with short-term rentals, which is awesome because then I don't have to hold security deposits, that sort of thing. But I just, somebody who's interested in putting their house onto the short-term rental market on Airbnb or VRBO, I set it up for them and then I get a cut because I'm the property manager. And so whether, depending on where you are, that could be anywhere from 10 to 50% that as a Airbnb or a short-term rental property manager that you, and some people call that co-hosting. That's another term you'll hear out there. I think that that's kind of a confusing word because I also have like, sometimes I have my cleaning lady as part of the co-hosting platform. So it's, but whatever it is, I I call it an Airbnb short-term manager. Anyway, so those are the three different ways that I got into Airbnb and was able to scale super fast because you don't have to wait for that down payment on a house over and over again. Yeah. And so that's kind of my background of how I went from, you know, a regular stable job, stable job. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned, they let me go when my son was diagnosed with cancer to let me have more time with my family. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this yeah. is when I need money to pay for cancer treatments. But that's very nice of you to take away my choice and just let me go. Anyways. Unbelievable. But, yeah. Yeah. So much for like stable and secure. Right. You know? Yeah. So I went, how he went from stable route to flipping houses, wholesaling, whatever, and to Airbnb. And even if you're staying in any sort of real estate, even if you're not in real estate at all, Airbnbs are a great like side gig because I have five kids. The oldest is 10 years old. So they're all littles. Like we like to party at our house. Like it, we listen to a lot of baby shark. We listen to a lot of that kind of stuff. Like that is my life and I love it, but I love that I get to run my business while coaching, like either sitting and watching sports or like I get to coach teams now. When I was, when I was flipping houses that I had to be on projects and I had to, it wasn't as flexible with my time. More of a job in that aspect. Yeah. It became more as a job and I, I tried to turn it passive, but then when I would turn my back, you know, my project managers weren't doing what I thought they would do or different things like that. So it was a lot harder for me to scale that into something passive than Airbnb. Once you get the system set up, it just kind of runs itself and then the emergencies come to you, but it's it's so much less risk. We talked about this in Cancun, but I remember when I was flipping houses and at one point I was leveraged so much that I was nauseous and like, uh, Brandon's heard me call this like an ambition hangover. I got that from Jess Ekstrom. She's got a book coming out called Chasing the Bright Side. She's awesome. But it's called an ambition hangover because I mean, I'm like a, a Mormon girl, so I don't, I don't drink or anything. So I don't know exactly what a hangover feels like. But yeah. to me, this is what I picture it being. But, no. I, uh, <laughs> but I was literally over the toilet throwing up because I was so nauseous about 
borrowing about $5 million from other people's money and the market was slowing down. I was getting lawsuits. I was having people shot on my properties, different things that it was like, I was feeling so sick all the time because I was leveraged to a point that I just wanted to curl in a ball and cry on my closet floor every single day. And I had grown so big, which was my dream. Like that was my dream. And I had accomplished it and my ambition had taken over. But then it was like, I had this, ugh, like, okay, now how do I do this? Because I was so big, which was awesome for a few years. But then when I started not loving it anymore, it, it just, and, and when the market, you know, who knows what's going to happen in politics, who knows what's going to happen to the market. Like yeah. it just all of a sudden became Very scary to me. Yeah. 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 Right. So, so that's when I was like, you know what, instead of $5 million, now I'm in contracts with landlords that might last six to 12 months or whatever it is that the most I'm leveraged is that amount of rent for the year. Like that's like pennies practically compared to what I was doing before. So some people who are new to real estate, they're like, Oh, like what if I don't, what if I don't rent it out? Like what if whatever, to be honest, like that is not that big of a risk if you're getting into real estate to sign a contract, let's say for $2,000 a month for 12 months. Like the, if you don't have anyone, not a single soul book, the most you're going to lose is what? Like $25,000. Yeah. That's not going to happen. You're going to get people to book yeah. you're, and I mean, it's worth on. getting into it to try it. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah. So that's, I, yeah. I want to I talk about some of the systems and everything behind it because I know there's, right ways to do it. And then there's unfortunately the opposite here of wrong ways that you probably don't want to necessarily do, or maybe certain areas Yeah. for anybody out there, like just so they can get a little bit understanding. What does your portfolio look like now? Or what kind of trials and errors have you personally gone through? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when people say like, how many properties do you have? The answer is it totally varies. It totally varies because I'm always shutting them down. I'm always dating and breaking up with properties, right? So um, if it's not performing like I want it to, then I shut it down. Um, That hasn't happened a ton, but my sweet spot has always been between 10 to 15 properties. However, guys, my baby is in preschool now. So it's a game changer. So now we're trying to scale it even more, which is so easy. Like once you've got like 10, like just keep adding them, just keep adding them, especially, okay. Now we're at a point that we've pitched so many people that now landlords and realtors are bringing properties to us. So I don't have to go out searching, which it makes it a whole lot easier because they know my model. They know what I do. And I've pitched them so many times that now they're bringing properties to us. And so I'm not going to bring Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in my course, I've interviewed people who are like managed like a hundred properties. That's awesome. Like if that's what you want to do, rocket. Like that's awesome. I'm just saying if you want an awesome, uh, so, you know, just to get an idea, like this is going to be different for wherever you live, but uh, per property, I aim to net anywhere from a thousand to 1500 per property per month. Okay. So, I mean, some people are going to be like, Oh no, that's not worth my time for me who takes maybe like, I would say it takes about, it's, it's hard because once you scale, then it, 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 Makes it like so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say for 10 properties, it takes me about mm, two to three hours a week. So once that income's coming in, I'm okay with that amount of time for that return on my, my investment. You know what I mean? I I assume it's really setting it up in the beginning and not, Mm -hmm. not like the whole set it and forget it type of thing, but it definitely gets easier. Once you set it up and have it on autopilot to a certain degree, the systems are in place. Yeah, definitely. Um, the week you just a moment ago, 
um, like breaking off some of these agreements. Now, if it's not working out and you want to let it go, how does that work out? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not me, it's you kind of thing. No, we go through it and, you know, at the end of a contract, landlords are just used to breaking contracts. However, I have had to break contracts earlier and there's a, a, a certain addendum I use and I recommend to everyone using to protect yourself an addendum that allows you to get out of it. I'll just cover it right now because a lot of people that start to do it, their biggest concern is, well, what if this city changes it on me? Or yeah. what if HOAs um, decide they don't want me? Sure. At the beginning, I don't recommend going to a place with an HOA. Yeah. Uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Three of the places that we've started that we've had to move out of, um, the HOA was okay with it at the beginning and then changed their mind. Or to be completely honest, they said they were okay because it was so new. They were like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But then after nine months, 12 months, whatever, they're like, never mind. Neighbors don't want it. They're complaining. They changed it on me. Okay. So HOAs probably not the first one you want to open, but that's, that's okay. There's plenty of fish in the sea. So, um, the ones, so because of, uh, we've had to shut a few down because of that. And so that was kind of like, uh, not forced us out, but it was, we could have finished our term. We could have, uh, finished, uh, because it was kind of grandfathered in, uh, depending on where you are, depending on there, there's a lot of, it depends situations in that. Um, but, uh, so that was one of the ways that we were were kind of, kind of forced to get out. Um, but we had the option, but we were like, ah, you know what, you've been awesome. And usually the landlords in those situations have other properties. So we want to make it easy on them so that they still send us other properties when they come up. So yeah, but, um, other ways of breaking the, the lease, uh, it's in my addendum straight out that each of us have the, the right to break a lease within 90 days. We have to give each other 90 days because that's how long my calendar is set out on my short-term rental um, outlets. And so, but yeah, there, there's been a couple times that we've, one time uh, a neighbor kept complaining over and over and over again. And to the point that they were harassing our tenants as Airbnb guests would come in. And so I just said to the landlord, like, this isn't going to work. Like, I apologize. I'm really sorry, but let's, this isn't working out. Let's break up, you know? Um, You, it's me. (laughs) Yeah. And I try to be sensitive to the landlord of, okay, it was, you know, coming up on January, February, like let's cut ties so that it can be back on the market in June for his hot season. I'm not going to, you know, I do my best not to leave a landlord high and dry in November, December. Like that's, uh, that's not cool. You know? Yeah. Do you have like a step-by-step on somebody brand new that's interested in getting uh, started into Airbnb, yeah. what they could do, what they could follow. Maybe, obviously, if you guys are listening right now, make sure you're taking notes on this. There's lots of gold things that we just dropped and talked about, but make sure you're taking notes so you can actually implement these things as fast as possible afterwards. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I could go on for hours, I like and hours and hours and hours. Um, I, that's, that's why I, I started coaching and that's why I started my course was because people were asking like, well, how do you get on? Like, can I take you to lunch and talk about it? I'm like, mm, could lunch last like 10 hours? Cause then we might be able to fit in some of the information. But so like the real, like quick getting started thing is if you don't, there's th- like we said, there's three levels. If you already have a property or you're interested in doing it in your basement or something like that. Awesome. Yeah. Check your HOA covenants, see if you're good to go and then just start doing it. Like just 
test the market. And there's so many things we could get into, like how to price your property and how to, you know, there's so much we could go into, but that's just the straightforward if you own the property. If you're trying to arbitrage, if you're trying to rent out somebody's property and going to uh, rent it out and sublet it out, you're going to need enough money for the first and months, uh, first and last month's rent plus a security deposit. Okay. And enough money to furnish the, the uh, townhome house, whatever it is. Okay. That can range anywhere. If you're doing it on a budget, I've done a three bedroom house for under $5,000. Okay. Mm -hmm. So some people are surprised like, Oh, you really can. That's a lot of hard work because you're going to be on Facebook marketplace. You're going to be on Craigslist finding furniture. And once I got bigger and tried to systemize it more, now we're spending a little bit more, but it's a system. I don't have to go searching for furniture all over the place. I just look and say, I want the same thing as this house, put it in. And the, the, the movers just put it in and we get like corporate discounts from a, from a furniture place that just hooks us up. Okay. So once you start scaling, Oh gosh, I, I, I probably said this Brandon in Cancun, but like it's kind of like kids. So if you have kids, it's like the first one comes, it's like, Oh my gosh, like this, there's a human, he's loud. He's, you know, <laughs> does things on my floor. Like what is going on? Like it's just so hard at the beginning, but then it's like adding number two. It's like, okay, I got this. I got this. And then you add number three and it's all of a sudden you go from like a man to man defense to a zone defense. And it's like, Oh my gosh. Like this is hard again. Like what's going on? I love you. You're so funny. <laughs> and then, but sorry, I, 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 I love basketball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then after three, you've got this, like you put it on autopilot. That's when you can start outsourcing things because you've got enough income coming in that it makes sense to outsource it. That's when I started having a, um, kind of like a, we call it our front desk management system that they answer almost all of our, our messages, our texts, everything. And then it really is smooth sailing after that. So I, I highly recommend if you're getting into it, even with one, like it's still enjoyable. I still loved having my one beautiful child, yeah. but then I was like, oh, this is going to be so much easier. Let's just scale this thing. Right. So I really, really recommend. Oh, so if it, you own the property or you have a, let's say you have a cabin or beach house or whatever, and you're like, what am, you know, I want to still make some money. So it's just not draining my money. Awesome. Like I definitely recommend checking with your city ordinances yep. and your HOA. Okay. So make sure that you're doing that for all three of these models. The second one for the arbitrage, make sure that you, you're just going to start pitching and pitching and pitching. And sure. I could go off for hours on how do I pitch? What, email do I use? How do I call them? What, how, what's the letter I use to pitch on them? And what, you know, that's a whole contact me. Let's talk. Like yeah. there's a whole bunch that goes around that, but you just start pitching. You just start talking to landlords, but know that you're going to have to pay for that first and last month's rent security deposit and furnishing the, the location. Now the third one is awesome. It's a little bit harder to find a landlord that's interesting, but that co-hosting or property management version, you could really do it for zero startup costs, zero, because they are going to pay for the furniture, furniture. They're going to continue to pay for the utilities. They're going to pay for all of this stuff. You are just there to manage their property. So if you're willing to put in the hard work and find somebody that's interested, go to a local real estate group, go to, you know, you can find people that want to do this and they are busy, but they keep on thinking, oh, I want to get my, you know, I've thought about doing Airbnb. I wonder if it'll really work. 
and it, it's awesome because it it's not going to make as for me it doesn't make quite as much as arbitrage does however i break even a lot faster because i don't have those startup costs right so i i get in the black a lot faster but also once they come they start telling their friends and it just, it grows like wildfire. So it becomes more of like a, like a I don't want to say quantity instead of quantity, but you know, like it's just a lot more. It just well, it's a word of mouth. It's, it's easier to get into. You're getting your return back a, a lot faster. You have to put in a little bit more work. So if you have time and, and you can get the systems in place, then as the word of mouth starts spreading, you can really start, you know, multiplying these and, and uh, making it a win-win situation, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And people always ask, well, I always get this question and I I, I need to come up with like a really great answer, but they always, you know, people always ask like, well, why won't the landlords just do it themselves if they're interested? Or if you come and pitch them and you tell them how great it is, aren't they going to start doing it? And the answer is heck no, because they are busy. They're, I don't want to call them lazy because they're like busy doing other stuff, right? So they're not lazy, but they, you know, for decades, we've been taught, if you want to get into investing, if you want to build your your real estate portfolio, get a rental, get it rented out, get a tenant in there. That's what they've been taught for decades. Some of them, some of them just don't know. Yes. So it's like until you educate them and show them the possibility, but they don't want the extra time. They don't want an extra job, something that they're not familiar with at all. Like they just get educated on. They don't yeah. want to spend the time on researching on like how to do it in the right the the right path pretty much so if somebody that's educated like yourself has a track record testimonies success behind it then they're like oh okay well this is no brainer yeah yeah and and sometimes i've even had people like buy my course like i'm going to learn how to do this myself and then after like 3 months they're like you know what can you just do it for us yeah, like can you do that for me can you is there do you know someone in my state that will just do it for you and i'm like heck yes let's put you in contact with somebody that's going to run your property for you you know and and they, and they think it like it sounds sexy like oh i want to get into that but i i really don't have time for that like i just want my rent every single month or yeah. i just want my piece of the action now with the co-hosting or the property management um model people are like well aren't they just going to take it back over and i'm like that's awesome like I am happy to set up your Airbnb for you and I'll run it for a year. And then we have a, not like a penalty or if like, I guess more like a fee where if after six months or 12 months, they want to take it over. Awesome. You just have to like do this little extra, like thousand dollar fee to get me out of there or whatever, or whatever it is. And sometimes I guess they would do that. I've never had somebody do that because they keep on thinking, oh yeah, then I'll be able to take it over someday. They don't got time for that. Uh-uh. Yeah, they don't want to. They like what, what's already in place. The motion yeah. is going. It's like, okay, she's handling it all. I have nothing to worry about. The checks keep on coming in. The house yeah. is in good shape. Everybody's happy. It's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. So I I always am like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like even with that model, you can put it under the account under their name. So like I I usually put them under my, um, like my arbitrage are often mostly all in my one account or I have a couple different accounts. Um, but for the co-hosting, it's like, no, I'll set it up under your account. I'm going to set it up for you. Don't worry. I'll handle everything. But when you're ready to take it over, you can. And they're like, oh yeah, great they usually don't want to do that because once it's rolling, it's rolling and they're fine with it, but they like the idea and that safety net of, okay, well then once they get all the five-star reviews from me, then I'll be able to take it over. If not, then I'll just start a new 
account sure. afterwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they like having that peace of mind and that's awesome. Like yeah. more power to you. And if you want it back, that's totally cool. I'm, I'm really not offended. So. Okay. Milani, I got some yeah. questions for you. So okay. this is more selfish because it's for me. <laughs> I, okay. feel like, I feel like most people, uh, not to generalize or anything, but most people are probably going to want to do some kind of arbitrage or like, you know, figure out subleasing, you know, rent to, yeah. you know, yeah. but, uh, selfishly I have one property that a, a single family house that a tenant just moved out of. <laughs> yeah. I got to do a little bit of remodeling to get it back on the market. And then I have another one that is available as well. It's an upstairs unit though, out of a triplex. Mm. Okay. So both of these are vacant. The single family house was renting out for eight fifty a month. Uh-huh. So what would be your actionable steps that I, I could take action on like today? Today would be hiring you or getting somebody. Right. <laughs> within you your could so do that. You yeah. could do that. Yeah. You could do that. You, you could also like, like, like you said, like I, I'd coach you through lots of different things, but the, the real, what you're asking is the real steps that you'd take. The yeah. first thing you're going to do is probably go to something like airdna.co, not.com, airdna.co. That's going to give you a rough idea of what's going on in your area for short-term rentals. Okay. Um, it's not, it's not a hundred percent accurate. Okay. Because in fact, when I did it in my location, it gives you like rough uh, and, and I don't ever pay for the reports either. Okay. So I'm not saying go and pay for a report. I'm saying go use the free tools that they have sure. and um, look and see what, what short-term rentals are doing in your area. Um, when I first looked at mine, it, in my area, I live in like Raleigh, Durham area. It's not a huge vacation destination. So please don't, if you're thinking, ah, I, Air, Airbnb won't work in my area. I'm not in San Diego. I'm not in a vacation destination. Whatever. Forget that. Okay. Cause I, I, mine are not a vacation destination and they do extremely well. Okay. So once you go to those, that website or a website like that, that will give you some analytics. Mine said, you know, you can expect like 35% uh, occupancy rate. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever fallen below 85%. And when I set up our property, I put it, I list it like two weeks before I open it. And usually the day I open it, so I, I take about two days to move in and get pictures taken. The day it's open, it's usually booked for the first month. Okay. So that's the goal. You don't want to be losing money there. So, um, so, but so look at air DNA just to get an idea, but don't, it's not, don't use it as a Bible. Okay. It's, okay. it's not the last say on it, but it'll give you an idea of what's going on. Okay. okay. Then you're going to go to like a dynamic pricing website. Oh, actually let me rewind. Even if you go to Airbnb and you type in your address, they're going to say, Oh, host in your area, you know, tell us that you could be making this much money. And even that number is to me has always been extremely low. Sometimes 50% of what I actually make on a property property. So thank you, Airbnb. But You'll yeah. probably do a lot better, but yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but that's because that's based on their numbers sure. of their smart pricing, and their goal is to fill lots of occupancy, not to make lots of money. So, anyways, that's a whole different tangent. So, go back. So the next thing after you do like an air DNA search would be to use go into your location and find some comps, something that would be comparable to that, right? Like a two bedroom or a condo, whatever it is, find others that are already on Airbnb or something like that. And then go into a dynamic pricing website. I use beyond pricing or you can use wheelhouse um, is a really popular one. Um, there's pluses and minus of both, but those are the two that uh, to me are the biggest. Um, but there's, if you Google dynamic pricing for 
short-term rentals, you'll find one. Um, but go into something like that and you can take the, uh, the URL from your competitors, not your competitors, cause I feel like they're more colleagues, but your comps will say, all right. Yeah. So you'll take the link from comparables. Okay. And you'll put it into the free demo on wheelhouse or beyond pricing, and you'll be able to see how much they recommend charging. Um, so not just what they are charging, you can go into Airbnb to see what they are charging, but they might be a dumb host that doesn't know that they should be using dynamic pricing. So I would kind of ignore that and move on to what you could be charging. And then, um, then you'll, you'll start to get an idea and then you're going to put it into a projector. I have a, like a, uh, uh, a spreadsheet that'll like, sure. uh, if, if you're this many nights booked, this is how much you're going to make uh, just to get an idea of, is this really worth it or not? Yeah. So those are, those are kind of the beginning steps to just, you know, test the waters. Is this maybe something that's going to work, uh, worth my effort. And then as far as the condition of the home, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of style are we looking for? Right. Great question. Great question. So especially when you're looking at rentals, um, because you're going to rent them and then rent them out again. I always say that if it's quaint, that's awesome. Quaint, you can make it quaint and cute. Even if it's old, even if it's 200 years old, as long as you can make it quaint and charming, that's great. If it's dirty, you're not going to be successful. You're going to get yep. terrible reviews. So as long as it's clean you can really put some quirky things on Airbnb. I mean, if you, if you look through some of those houses and tree houses and RVs, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the Ritz Carlton. It just has to be something that is welcoming, comfortable, um, has a charm to it, but it cannot be dangerous or dirty. Does that make sense? Yeah. So don't feel like you have to update every single doorknob. Don't feel like, I mean, when, back when I was flipping houses, I, one of the pro reasons why I left is because I felt like I was always over rehabbing because yep. I was like, oh, well, these windows are terrible. Like these are, you know, this is this. Don't, you really do not need to over renovate for an Airbnb because they're not going to care if you have a brass shower. They're not going to care about all these things. You know what I mean? Okay. I love it. Uh, let me see. What other questions? Um, as far as money to, I, I think you already covered a little bit of this, but just for a recap, like range of money that um, somebody could anticipate. And I know there's several different ways. You, you talked about the extreme arbitrage of having the, the landlord pay for everything and you just partner up with them. You, you give more of your time. Yeah. Um, so, so you're asking how much um, time or how much money? Well, I guess both. both. For, okay. for somebody that goes that route, you know, what kind of time can they anticipate getting oh. one or two started yeah. um, if they don't have the funds to actually get started? Yeah. Okay. So let me see if I can answer this. Uh, so time-wise, time-wise, yeah. your first baby, your first house, um, it depends on how involved you want to be. Yeah. Um, so my parents, I, I, I use them as an example because I love that they are in their mid-70s and are like, oh, what are we going to do in retirement? And they're like, oh, sweetheart, you're doing these Airbnbs. Should we get into one? I'm like, heck yes, you should. And so now they have three Airbnbs looking for their fourth. My dad calls me all the time. I need another house. Let's go find another one, you know, so, um, they, they are rocking this and they are 75 years old. And at the beginning I was like, 
mom and dad. Like we, they are workaholics and they do not know how to outsource. I don't know if they're watching this. Oh, they're on a cruise. So they're not, but <laughs> Um, so before I continue, um, but, um, so, uh, anyway, tag so, them in this later. no, no, <laughs> you better not. Um, but they, but, but they were so hands-on, they were so hands-on. And so when you ask like how much time it takes, it's up to you because honestly you can set up systems for yeah. almost everything. I try to only go back to my properties once a year, once a year, like I really get that. your head around that. Like once a year. Don't get me wrong. If I had a traditional rental, when I used to have traditional long-term rentals, I wouldn't go to that property for like five years, 10 years. Like you don't have to go at all. So I am acknowledging that it is more than a long-term rental. However, this is a little different, but to me it's worth it because it's increasing the profits and keeping it in a better, I, I don't have to deal with evictions, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so at the beginning, my parents, the reason why I bring up my parents is because they were, we were like in doing something family oriented. We were in California on vacation and then they had to be in like Utah or Arizona, like a couple of weeks later. And they're like, I was like, so are you guys just going to go straight and just hang out? They're like, they had to be there like four days later, not even a couple of weeks. They had to be there like four days later. And she, my mom's like, no, we're going to fly home to check on the cleaning ladies and check on the Airbnb. I was like, you're going to do what? Like woman, <laughs> that is not how we work as real estate investors. Yeah. Like, no, if you want, if you want to check on something, you ask your cleaning lady to send you pictures of whatever you're concerned about, yeah. or you like, you've got to be able to scale and outsource it because the burnout of Airbnb hosts is real. Like yeah. it, there's a lot of Airbnb hosts that are just dropping like flies because they get so burnt out and they aren't finding the joy in it and they're doing too much. So, you know, I find that with real estate investing in general, if you're not systemizing it right, just like yeah. with any business, if you're not, if you're not building the systems around it and really setting it up for success that you can leverage out and rely on other people, yeah, like it's going to drain the hell out of you and then yeah. it's going to really hold you back. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, yeah. So, so, so the answer is the goal or what I strive to do is, um, so for your, the week you set up a property yeah. is, is cr chaos. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Because especially if you're trying to do it on like a super small budget, like you're running around getting furniture, like yep. deciding if you really like the furniture, like that is crazy. Once you scale it and you're able to use a furniture company or something like that, it, it makes it less, but it's still crazy. Just like in flipping houses, like, sure. you know, when you're getting ready to put it on the market, like it's crazy town that, that week. So that week I would say my husband knows like, I will see you in five days, basically. Yeah, like yeah. it's putting in the eight to 10 hour days to set it up. Okay. Sure. However, once so it's set up, oh. In the beginning, it could take a week or so to actually fully dedicated, searching around, trying to build the systems, getting the right furniture and so forth to set it up for success. Yeah. Um, otherwise, money-wise, it could take anywhere from zero to maybe 5,000 or so. You know. Yeah. I mean, depending on what level, like we're starting to get into like corporate retreat lodges and stuff. I mean, those are huge. So that's going to be a whole lot more. So it's totally depends. And also I I'm happy. My shopping list is free. Like, let me know. And I can send you a link to it. Maybe I'll, I'll put it in the comments below, yeah. but, um, the shopping list, just go through and what sheets you need, things you want to think of, of like, I don't know, like, don't forget the iron. Don't forget the spatula. Don't forget, you know, all these things that you just want to make sure that you haven't one place. So sorry, we were just saying something and what were we saying? Oh, it's the time thing. It can take over. I talked to one of my students the other day and I was like, you took the course. How did you do this? But he's like, yeah, we got the keys to the place. And then it took us like three weeks to open it. I'm like, 
Like, oh my gosh, what a waste of money. You're paying somebody for that house. My goal is to get it out and rented within two days of getting the keys. Okay. Um, And so day one, I know when I'm going to get the keys. And once you have a contract, you know that this is going to go through. Like I said, a week or two, you're going to put it up on Airbnb or whatever platform you're using, start getting the bookings. And then the day you get the key, I've, I've had the key and my, my moving team right behind me many times that we get the key, we move in, we stage, we get pictures within 48 hours and our first guest moves in right after that. Okay. So it really is when I say a week, I say a week just to make sure, but it really is like one to two days before of just crazy shopping, crazy prepping, putting everything in your garage, putting it. If you, once you have multiple properties, yeah, those, those are my, my, my garages of my Airbnb units are the staging areas for yep. the next Airbnb, right? So you're just yep. putting stuff in there. And then, and then I would say two days is really like just focus on it for those two days and then you're up and running. I like that. So, oh, and then after that, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm just all over the place, Brandon. Um, so after that week, then after that, when I leave after pictures... I hope not to come back for a year. At the beginning, you're going to want to go every month, maybe every quarter. You're going to, especially when you're just starting out, you want to follow your cleaning ladies. As soon as they're done checking, like they say it's clean, you go and check to make sure that you've got a good cleaning team in there. So sometimes I'll do surprise visits on cleaning uh, to check the cleaning status. But ideally, you're going to get this to a point where you don't, you don't go back. Um, Now you are going to get things in your, that you still have to handle. Uh, I've been locked out. Great. Have a plan B so you can tell them where to get an extra key. Um, uh, you know, uh, what's at the beginning before you hand this off to somebody else to handle, you're going to get asked all the time what the Wi-Fi is. It doesn't matter if you've emailed them, texted them and posted it inside the location. Your people are going to ask for the Wi-Fi. you know, just little things like that. So you're going to get those questions. But like I said, once you get to three or five properties, then you can have a third party. There's options out there. I use Guesty, um, but lots of great, uh, third party options that handle all of that messaging for you. So I only get alerted when there's a, a big issue. Uh, the washing machine's not working. Can you send it. somebody, you know, that kind of thing. So it really goes down. I would say in, in my Airbnb hosting business right now, well, I would say for 10 properties, it's probably like mm, anywhere from an hour to two hours a week that I handle anything. Okay. I like that. So when it comes down to uh, different sites besides Airbnb platform, what other platforms would you recommend to have it? Yeah. So the direct answer to that is it depends on your location and what you plan to use it for. So Airbnb guests are definitely used to booking a place two days before to maybe like 45 days before is what I say the average is 14 to 45 days for Airbnb guests to book places. But I have a lot of last minute bookings. But if you're doing something like a VRBO or home away, that kind of thing, sometimes they're going to book like a year or two in advance, you know, and they're bigger uh, locations. So it's harder to do the arbitrage model with a VRBO type property. Does that make sense? So those other sites are great. Once you get to using a third-party platform like Guesty, you can integrate them all in one place. So the calendar sync, which is awesome, you know, but if it's more of a, a beach house type location, you know, some people think, oh, should I put this on VRBO or Airbnb? Most of the time it's going to be both for that kind of thing because you want, you want both. You want the short-term 
uh, and, and that's, that's just what I've seen is that Airbnb are a lot more likely to be, I get a lot of last minute booking is on Airbnb. No, no, I've seen that and heard the same thing with um, a lot of other people that are successful with it as well. Yeah. Well, Milani, I appreciate you so much. I feel like there's nothing but gold nuggets in here and uh, so many awesome steps that somebody could actually really take action on to be able to lead their selves to success with Airbnb hosting. Yeah. Um, So how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. I know you're doing um, coaching, you're doing, you have all the systems in place for people. It would be yeah. like a no brainer and ridiculous if somebody didn't, you know, at least reach out to you to see how easy you can make life for them. Yeah. And, and we're always doing, we're doing like free webinars. We're doing, um, you know, different podcasts with different, like, uh, like CPAs or furniture designers, different people that will help answer questions as well. But if you do want to get in touch with me, uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook, Maylani Hawk. Um, my last name is H O C K. Um, Maylani Hawk.com or also the website is why not me kind of the mantra that we talked about at the beginning. Why not me bnb.com why not me bnb.com and for anybody who's listening to the podcast we talked to brandon before we're going to get an awesome limited time discount of 50 percent off the coaching and um the course so 50 percent off if you act now it's a limited time offer so t- definitely take advantage of it we'd love to start working with you and like i said especially depending on when you're listening to this like the, in the October to February is like gold mine time. So definitely let's get you up and running and get you a few Airbnbs here soon. I love it. I love it so much. I can't wait to actually just sit down with you and talk with you on, yeah. on some of the mind that I have. I'm like, I can't find a good property manager in my area. And I've been successful with doing my own property management, except for filling it like sooner than I'd like. So yeah. we can make it a win-win situation. And because I am too busy. Um, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of, makes it complicated, but it, it doesn't need to be when you have the systems already in place and the team behind it as well, which is awesome. Yeah. My last little takeaway is it really is a uh, fun, like it's fun. I find yeah. joy in it. And it, like in America, when you run a B&B, it doesn't have to, you often as an Airbnb host, I'm not going to see almost any of my guests. Sure. However, we have taken advantage of those times of sometimes when I want to take the kids on a little getaway, we'll go and have a little overnight air at one of the Airbnbs. Yeah. Or when I see that we have a guest coming from a cool country, we'll invite them over to dinner at our house yeah. and at, invite them to come and share about their country with my kids. Like find ways to find joy in hosting yeah. the way that you want it, but on your terms. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm ever going to like open a literal bed and breakfast where I have to serve breakfast every morning. But I love that I get the charm of that job, but when on my terms, when yeah. I want to, you know what I mean? You want to, so yeah. I love the flexibility of Airbnb that it provides for your lifestyle and your yeah. business. No, I love it too. I, I couldn't agree more. There's, there's a lot of power behind it. There's a lot of options and I'm a big believer in having as many options as possible. So that's truly awesome. And I remember some of my great memories growing up had to do with like bed and breakfast. So yeah, on certain little uh, fun vacations. So I agree. I think it would be very cool. So do me a favor, everyone. I know there's tons of awesome content in here, but do me a favor, reach out to Milani. She's got unbelievable value. You know, we just shared like a little snippet, like a little chunk of gold here. But honestly, she's got like bars of gold over here behind her. And yeah, uh, she's given out a lot of free content on a regular basis. So uh, make sure you go check her out. 
And if you found value in this, like I know you did, make sure you share this out, get some more people, tag some people in it that need to see this, that are interested about Airbnb. And uh, as always, check out Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast on iTunes or anywhere that you listen to it. Hit that subscribe button so you get the newest episode every single Monday. Leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about this episode and all the others. And uh, you guys can always reach out to me at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Otherwise, Instagram, Brandon Elliott Investments, and Facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott, R-E-I. So till next time, Milani, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Brandon. Great to see you. Till next time, guys. Stay blessed. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.